This summer, the world must answer one question. Why has no one made a popsicle that gets you high yet? That's right, it's summer, and it's time for you to get your hands on America's new favorite product, Danksicles. 20 milligrams of THC in two great flavors, the latest and greatest innovation from IndiCloud. Is IndiCloud the greatest company to come out of America? Maybe. But what we do know for sure is that IndiCloud is the best way to get dispensary-grade cannabis delivered directly to your door, 100% legally. Yes, they ship legally to all states. No medical card needed. Whether it's vapes as big as your head, flowers you won't find in your mom's garden, or of course, popsicles that get you high as What are you waiting for? Go to indicloud.co slash spring24 and get discreet delivery on top shelf THC products. Head over to indicloud.co slash spring24. That's co, not com, to snag 30% off your first order. Hey everyone, my name is Nikki Young and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. I'm back with another true crime story to lull you to sleep or perhaps to give you nightmares. I'm returning with another case out of South Africa, the unsolved murder of a young girl who unfortunately invited the wrong person over to her home for a coffee. Annika Smith was just 17 years old on March 10th, 2010, when she stayed home from school with a bad throat infection. Her father would return home from work later that day to find the front gate was left unlocked, the guard dogs were corralled in the side yard, and two cups of undrinking coffee were left on the kitchen table. The house looked chaotic, as if there had been some kind of struggle. And when he walked into his teenage daughter's bedroom, he would find out why. Annika had been stabbed to death and then had her hands cut off. It was the most horrific thing imaginable for a father to find. There have been several persons of interest identified and interviewed throughout the years, including an ex-boyfriend and school friend, but Annika's murder still remains unsolved to this day. So let's jump right in. Annika Smith was born on July 18, 1993, in Pretoria, South Africa. She was the only child of her mother, Charlotte, and her father, Johan. Though both parents loved their daughter very much and tried to make it work for her sake, Annika's parents would divorce when she was just 13 years old. It was a difficult transition for Annika, but she continued to have a positive relationship with both of her parents. Growing up, she loved animals, so much so that she would often volunteer at the local zoo. One of the photos that I've often seen shared around of Annika is of her at the zoo playing with animals with the biggest smile on her face. Things weren't always easy, though. With her parents' divorce, her mother decided that it would be best to move away to Cape Town, which wasn't close. It was around a 15-hour drive away or a four-hour flight. Annika was given the choice of who she would want to live with, and ultimately, she chose her father, Johan. 
As she grew older, she realized how much she missed and needed her mother, so she would move to Cape Town into her mother's home that she shared with her boyfriend. It's alleged that Annika's mother, Charlotte, ran a much more strict household. Annika didn't like all of the rules and she didn't get along with her mom's boyfriend. So after less than a year, she moved back to Pretoria to live with her dad. Her dad, on the other hand, was described as very laid back, and a neighbor would say that he absolutely spoiled Annika, likely because he felt bad about the divorce. Annika had these bright eyes that lit up when she smiled, and naturally light blonde hair. However, in her later teen years, things began to change. There was a noticeable difference in her behavior. She seemed to be more subdued and not her typical bubbly self. She also changed her appearance to be more dark and goth-like. She started wearing heavy makeup, dark lipstick, and black clothing. She also dyed her natural blonde hair to black. All of this to say, she was changing, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I did the exact same thing when I was her age, and even now, whenever I feel like there's a big internal change happening within myself, I like to change up my appearance too. I don't know, that's something that a lot of us ladies like to do in particular. Still, some people felt as if Johan's cool dad parenting style was lacking rules and structure. Annika started smoking, drinking, and partying with her friends. She was starting to push boundaries, as many teens do, but she was still a really good kid. Now the day is March 10th, 2010. 17-year-old Annika gets up that morning, and she isn't feeling great. Her father tells her that it's time to get ready for school, but he'll take her to the doctor's office before first period to see what's wrong and to see if she's too sick to go to class that day. At the doctor's office, she learns that she has an ear infection. She'll need to take antibiotics for the next few days and stay home and get some rest. Her father drops her back off at home because she's going to be skipping school for the day. He lets her know that her antibiotics will be delivered by the pharmacy at some point later that afternoon, and she should rest in the meantime. Then he heads off to work for the day. From there, we know that Annika chatted on the telephone with her mother, Charlotte, at around 9 a.m. The conversation was completely normal. Charlotte would later say that her daughter sounded fine. There wasn't a hint of anything being wrong. At around noon, the delivery driver from the pharmacy shows up at the house with Annika's medication. Now, if you're not from South Africa or familiar with South Africa, and I am not, many of the homes are designed completely differently than the homes in North America. Burglary, carjacking, and armed robbery are rampant. So homes are typically gated, they're locked, and they have security systems and guard dogs. Unfortunately, there's just a lot of crime, so extra security measures need to be taken. When the delivery driver pulled up to the gated house, he honked the horn for Annika to come out and grab her meds. He noted that the gate was closed and it appeared to be locked. There were also guard dogs out in the front yard. After honking several times, no one came out, so this guy let his boss know. 
The pharmacy called Annika's father to confirm the address and just find out why no one was picking up the medication. Annika's father, in turn, called home to see what was going on, and when he couldn't reach her, he just assumed that she must be sleeping. He told the pharmacy that was fine, they could leave, he would go to get her medication for her later. At this point, he figured that she was homesick, so obviously she's just sleeping off the symptoms of this ear infection, so he wasn't concerned. That is, until he returned home after work that day. One of the first things that he noticed was that the front gate was unlocked and the dogs were still left in that side fenced area, which was a bit unusual. When he entered the home, he found that the dining room was a mess and the chairs were all toppled over. On the kitchen table was two cups of coffee, which appeared to be untouched. No one had taken a sip of them yet. Johan called out to his daughter, but he received no response back from Annika. When he opened her bedroom door, he learned why. He would see something that no parent should ever have to witness. Annika was lying on her bed, naked from the waist down. She had been stabbed multiple times, and her throat had been slit. Her hands had been cut off, and she had been sexually assaulted with a glass bottle, which was still found inside of her. Her body had been positioned in a way that seemed to be an attempt to humiliate her. It was just an unimaginable scene. I read that Johan tried to call emergency services, like the police, but there was no answer, which apparently is kind of common in South Africa, and it's literally one of my worst nightmares. Seriously, I constantly have this reoccurring nightmare where people are after me, someone's trying to get me, I'm being murdered, and I call the police and no one picks up, or I get a busy signal. My family is getting ready to make a big move across the ocean to a place where English isn't the spoken language. This isn't my first rodeo, so I'm making sure I'm fully prepared by learning the language ahead of time. Sure, I know I can use an app once I get there, but you'd be shocked by how much gets lost in translation. I want to talk like a local, which is why I'm excited to use Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in True Accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. They have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go, and they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today 
That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factors No Prep, No Mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes? Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factors chef-crafted meals that include different nutritional options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Healthy meal planning has never looked so good with Factors fresh, never-frozen meals that are also dietitian approved No matter how busy you are, Factor can help kickstart and maintain a new healthy routine by making it easy to enjoy nutritious meals on the go. Plus, you'll never get bored eating the same thing every day because they offer 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. We're talking restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon because eating healthy doesn't have to be boring. Personally, I love not having to overthink what I'm going to eat every single day because that's half the battle. And I don't have to bother with shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. But the best part is, these meals are delicious with ingredients you can trust. Crush your wellness goals this May. Head to factormeals.com slash napper50 and use code napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code NAPPER50 at factormeals.com slash NAPPER50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Johan ran over to his longtime neighbor's house for help. It was a longtime friend, and he made him come back to the house with him. This neighbor would also see Annika, murdered in her bedroom. He described her as lying on her back with her face turned to the right and a bottle sticking out from between her legs. Her father, Johan, had placed a towel on her lower half to give her a little bit of modesty. It was a very disturbing thing for anyone to see, but this neighbor had known the family for the last 23 years. He had basically watched Annika grow up since birth. Eventually, they were able to get a hold of the local police who attended the scene. There were no signs of forced entry. Along with the two cups of coffee that were found on the kitchen table, it appeared that Annika had willingly let someone into the home and then they attacked her when they sat down for the coffee. She must have at least somewhat known this person as she had even moved the guard dogs to the side fenced-in area. They must have been more of an acquaintance than a close friend because the dogs were known to be weird around strangers. They were guard dogs, so this is something that they would do whenever someone new visited the home. Nothing appeared to be missing or taken from the house, which led investigators to believe that the motive for the crime was sexual and to hurt Annika, it wasn't a robbery. Annika died as a result of the multiple stab wounds and the injury to her neck. Due to the lack of blood at the crime scene, it's believed that her hands were cut off after she had already died. Why would someone cut her hands off? Well, possibly to hide evidence. If she had fought back against her attacker scratching at him, 
then she would have some DNA evidence underneath her fingernails. But they didn't do the greatest job at cleaning up the scene because there was some DNA recovered from her body either way. It was compared to all of the samples in the National DNA Database of South Africa, but there was no match in the system. Police asked around the neighborhood to see if anyone had heard or seen anything suspicious that day. There really wasn't much to go on. One neighbor reported hearing a scream at around noon, 12 p.m. She went to go look to see where this scream came from, but she got distracted when someone rang her doorbell and then she just forgot about it altogether. Another neighbor remembered seeing the front gates of that house locked with the dogs in the yard when they left at around 8 a.m. that morning. However, when they returned home at around 1 p.m., they saw that Annika's gate was unlocked and the dogs were now confined to that side yard. With all of that information, it was estimated that Annika had been killed sometime between noon and 1 p.m., likely shortly after that delivery guy from the pharmacy left. Investigators thought that this just couldn't have been a random crime. It felt very personal, so they began looking at the people closest in Annika's life. The first person that they looked at as a potential suspect was Annika's ex-boyfriend, Nico Venter. The couple had broken up just a few months prior to Annika's murder. Her friends would say that things were great at the beginning of the relationship. Annika seemed very happy, but over time, Nico became more jealous and controlling. He didn't want her to have any male friends, no matter how long she had known them. He was three years older than her, and they were clearly in different places in their life and wanted different things out of the relationship, so they broke up. When the police interviewed Nico on his whereabouts the day of the murder, he said that he had worked all day as a security guard at the local casino. He also mentioned that he and Annika had been friendly. They had been communicating by text message that day, but he never met up with her. Still, he was arrested for her murder just a few months after Annika had been killed. When word got out that police were speaking with Annika's ex-boyfriend, Nico, he quickly became a target in the court of public opinion. People talked about how they had seen him be aggressive with her in the past, how he was controlling, and basically that was all they needed to know to believe that he was guilty of murder. But it didn't matter what the public thought. The truth was, police had no physical evidence to tie him to the crime. Furthermore, Nico had a solid alibi. He had been at work at the time of Annika's murder, and there was even video surveillance footage to prove it. Also, his DNA didn't match the sample that was recovered at the crime scene, so the state had to withdraw the charges. Unfortunately for Nico, the damage had already been done. Everyone thought that he had killed Annika, and he even began to receive death threats of his own. The community was terrified. As I mentioned, this wasn't the safest neighborhood, but the brutality of Annika's killing, the cutting off of her hands, which would never be found by the way, the humiliating way that her body was found, and then being sexually assaulted with a bottle. It's difficult to imagine someone doing this to another human being, even in the worst of neighborhoods. The police knew that they needed to get answers quickly, 
because the public was on high alert. This is around the time that a judicial inquest was launched. Basically, this was an opportunity to question anyone who was considered a person of interest in Annika's murder to see if there was a cause to move forward with a murder charge. It was a chance to get any information out of these persons of interest to see if there is any evidence that might lead to a conviction. Initially, Annika's ex, Nico, and her father, Johan, they were called to testify in the inquest. That's right, police were also looking into Annika's father in relation to her murder. He was the one who found her body. The neighbor he had called for help after finding his daughter's body testified that he didn't believe Johan was capable of killing his daughter. He was nothing less than a doting father. This neighbor also testified that he believed Annika was into Satanism because she had dyed her hair and she began wearing dark clothing. As with Nico, when the media learned that Johan was a person of interest in his daughter's murder, the rumors flew. There was one specific photo that seemed to circulate social media showing a picture of Johan with a cut under his eye. The assumption was that this could have been an injury during the attack on Annika. However, it would be revealed to be an old photo. I'm talking like four years old. And the injury under his eye, it was actually from having a mole removed. A third person would be called to answer questions at the inquest. A classmate of Annika's, Damien Treby, who would be known to the media as Vampire. Annika and Damien weren't necessarily close friends, but they ran in some of the same circles. Damien was 18 years old, so a year older than Annika, and he would testify that, though sometimes they would walk home from school together, he had never at any point been inside of Annika's home. On the day of her murder, Damien said that he went to school that day, but he was only there for the morning. His mother dropped him off at the front of the school around 9 a.m. like she always did. But while at school, he got into a fight with his girlfriend, and so he went home early. His mother was there, and he spoke to her about selling his violin at a pawn shop for cash because he had planned to buy his girlfriend, who was mad at him, a gift. He claimed that he was nowhere near Annika's home that day. In the days after her death, people at school noticed that Damien had scratch marks on his neck, and some wondered if maybe he was the one who had killed Annika. And that's how he popped up on the police radar. You might be wondering why Damien was referred to as Vampire in the media, and that's because it was the screen name that he used on a popular South African social media app called Mixit. I've never used this app before, but it sounds a bit similar to like MSN or ICQ. I think I'm dating myself here, but that's fine. You can direct message your friends, but you can also join random chat rooms where you can talk to perfect strangers on the app. There were messages found that were between Vampire and someone named Satan Eyes. He was asking for this person with help, with a spell, in order to get rid of someone. The message read, quote, I want to see a person dead. Do you have a ritual to kill? And the spelling here is atrocious. When investigators discovered disturbing messages between Vampire, aka Damien, and Satan Eyes, they really leaned into this idea that Annika's murder could be part of a satanic ritual. 
His girlfriend testified that at one point, about a year prior to Annika's murder, she had asked Damien to get rid of a family member who was bothering her at the time, but she didn't really mean it, and they were just sort of playing around with witchcraft and spells. They weren't really planning to hurt anyone. At the inquest, it would be revealed that Damien enjoyed dissecting snakes, and he was really interested in spells, rituals, and witchcraft. His mother would also testify, and she said that while her son was a bit of a rebel who liked the darker things like horror movies, he certainly wasn't a killer. The way that they questioned Damien and his mother was very satanic panic-esque. At one point, the magistrate even asked his mother why she had given her son the name Damien because it could mean demon. I kid you not. His mother responded that she chose that name simply because it was a nice name. She kept her cool much better than I would have. Initially, Damien wasn't publicly named because there was a publication ban, likely due to his age. He was just referred to as Vampire, but at some point he would be outed on social media, which would lead to a huge delay in the inquest. Either way, there was a big problem for investigators. Damien had an alibi. His mother backed his alibi up, and his DNA did not match the DNA found at the scene. When asked about those scratches that he had on his neck, which was the very reason he was initially even interviewed, his twin sister would testify that they had gotten into a huge fight when her fiancé broke up with her, and she was the one who scratched him during that altercation. Honestly, it sounds like they took one look at his dark clothing and his interests in rituals, and they decided that he must have had something to do with Annika's death, and this had to be some sort of satanic ritual. Things weren't looking great for Damien. But then, someone else would come forward and claim responsibility for Annika Smith's murder. When Damien heard the news, he was very thankful, and he put out a statement that said, quote, for the past six years, I have been treated like a criminal, and I was found guilty by public opinion. I was labeled a Satanist and a murderer by several people, including the media. I maintained my innocence from day one, and that is still the case. I was, and still am, not guilty. I hope this chapter of my life is now over. I hope, believe, and trust that justice will now be served. I request that my and my family's privacy be respected. I also request that I no longer be called the vampire. At that point, the inquest was put on hold indefinitely. The person who came forward and confessed to Annika's murder was a man named Andre Van Wick, who went by the nickname Smiley. Gotta admit, in the context of what we're talking about, Smiley is a pretty terrifying nickname. He was charged with murder, rape, and mutilation. The arrest came as a surprise to everyone. This guy had no real connection to Annika. He had no previous criminal record. He wasn't on the police radar at all. Smiley was working as an air conditioning technician, and he still lived at home with his parents. He was very sheltered. He was described as happy and pleasant to be around, cute, thus the nickname Smiley. He was ordered to undergo a psychiatric evaluation just to ensure that what he was saying was actually coming out of the mouth of a sane person. 
Also, because while he claimed to have killed Annika, he also said that he couldn't remember the details of what had happened during the murder, so they were hoping to be able to recover some of these memories. While the case against Smiley was being built, it would be revealed that the DNA found on Annika didn't match him either. And when Smiley found this out, he began to walk back on what he was saying. He retracted his statement, his confession. He said that he had been on a two-day alcohol binge fest in the days leading up to the confession. So he was drunk and he didn't know what he was saying. He claimed the night before he walked into the police station to confess, he had met a man and a woman while at the bar. He claimed that they told him if he didn't confess to killing Annika, they would kill everyone he loved. He claimed they even knew the names and the schools of his younger siblings. The police were actually able to pull the video footage from the bar that night, and they did find on the recording Smiley speaking to a couple on the dance floor. But Smiley and this couple, they only talked for a matter of seconds before departing, walking away, and never communicating again. Certainly not long enough to threaten his whole family. While behind bars awaiting trial, there were some disturbing allegations made about Smiley on behalf of his cellmates. They would claim that he had admitted to them that he killed Annika and that he had buried her hands in a, quote, special place. He also allegedly joked about wanting to be called Smiley Scissorhands, and he wanted to get a tattoo on his chest of two bloody hands. But these allegations were made by other inmates, so you kind of need to take all of that information with a grain of salt. Ultimately, the charges against Smiley would also be dropped. With his confession now recanted and basically zero physical evidence to tie him to the killing, there just wasn't enough to move forward. Unfortunately, to this day, no one has been convicted in the rape and killing of 17-year-old Annika Smith. Her hands have never been found. Unless someone comes forward with new information, Annika's murder remains a cold case. The police have failed to pull together enough evidence to go through with prosecuting anyone for her death. But there is still hope that someday there will be a DNA match that pops up in the system, hopefully not connected to another gruesome murder like Annika's. That's it for me tonight. If you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm over on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Serial underscore Napper, or I post things on TikTok, Serial Napper Nick, and that's all one word. If you're listening to the audio, guess what? I also post all of my podcast episodes in video format over on YouTube. Just search for Serial Napper Nick, all one word, and it should pop up. If you're watching on YouTube, I'd love if you can give me a thumbs up and subscribe. You guys know I always appreciate your support. Until next time, sweet dreams, stay kind, especially in the comments. Bye. I'm Dean, I'm the dad. I'm Laura, I'm the mom. And I'm Crystalyn, I'm the daughter. And together we are... Family, Family Plot! 
The Family Plot Podcast, a show where we discuss history, folklore, true crime, and the paranormal. Minus all the oogie bits. We are PG-13. I'm almost 15 now. Don't ruin the commercial. Do catch us looking into special topics like the origins of fairy tales, Sherlock Holmes, and the trial of Dr. Hyde and Mr. Swope. Find out who Dad Man Crush is. Or what happens in Krista's Corner. But behave you two. So come be a part of the fam. Available on Google, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Family Plot Podcast. Bye!